RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. I feel like we haven't seen you all in weeks, but here it is. It's Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. I don't know about you, but I'm filled with anticipation. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. Mission Log Live is our chance to check in with you, our Star Trek pals. See how you're doing and see what's on your mind. The only way we can do that is for you to call us at 699 699- 900-6833, or use the one tap from your smartphone or click on the Zoom meeting link. Remember, this week, Colin does have a passcode conveniently displayed on your screen. Now, we know you'll want to call in, and you better do it sooner rather than later. We've got a special guest with us tonight. Don't miss your chance to talk to the most powerful woman in the Klingon Empire. It's Lorel. Well, it's Laurel's alter ego and way friendlier. It's Mary Chifo. We'll talk about performing and Star Trek fandom and disco and Star Trek discovery. Because, yeah, I mean, we could talk about disco, too, if you feel like dancing. It's up to you. It's a live show. I put on my dancing shoes, John. I don't know if we've talked about that. I, I haven't on, on our shows when we usually talk about uh, uh, personal things. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I forget to bring up is, you know, my clog dancing, because yeah. it's something in the Filipino culture that I'm proud to you know, to say that I've, I've gained some expertise in. I don't know about... I, I always assume the only way you get through Mission Log and Mission Log Live is by wearing your dancing shoes every week, every we time have you to. We're tap dancing yeah. over a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you, everyone, who is signing on in to say hello to us tonight and to our guest, our guest, the lovely Mary Chifo. Uh, John, tell us who's in the chat tonight. I, it's so nice to be able to see everybody and say hello. There's Paul, there's Chris, there's Scott Palm. What's up, Scott Palm? Good to see you, my friend. Uh, there's Brian, there's Seth, there's Vicky, there's Carlos, there's John Cooley. Cooley! Uh, there's yeah, there's uh, Dominic, <laughs> there's, uh, there's Cooley again, there's Casey, and there's uh, Terrence. And a special shout-out to Tracy Lee Coco, Lieutenant J from Next Gen of course of course we wanted to also say hello to our guests so uh there's peter there's uh there's other paul there's paul one paul two i took we're huge in the paul demographic we are uh, the Norman. paul's are big are the paul's are big for our show paul's. uh chris Riker. so hello to everybody rick carter saying we're back baby that's right we are so good to see all of you lou yes i can see you you just said hello john can you see me well not Mm -hmm. you personally lou but i can see your message so great to see everybody thank you for joining us and um again click on that zoom link or use that one tap or call us 669-900-6833 don't forget that there's a passcode you will then be connected to earl and earl will connect you to us and our guest. Now, before we bring out that guest, Norman, there's a little bit of business to take care of, a little bit mm-hmm. of um, uh, what's coming up on Mission Log and Mission Log Live. And actually, with well, with Mission Log, we just released our beginning of season five of Disaster Nine. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. exciting there. Um, but coming up starting next week, next Monday, that'll be August 3rd. That is the kickoff to our coverage of Star Trek Lower Decks. So we're working on a guest for that show, kind of a little preview, pre-show for Lower Decks. Then tune into CBS All Access on August 6th, and we'll be back on August 10th to then start talking about those episodes in order with you. And, And we'll have a special guest host 
to do that week by week, episode by episode discussion. Looking forward to that, Norman. So sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be you, but we'll have a guest co-host to introduce to everybody. Very happy yeah, it's about Very that. exciting. Lots of Star Trek coming up. Lots of Star Trek to talk about. And the drought is over because sometimes we are, you know, without a Star Trek show, a live Star Trek show to talk about, live recorded Star Trek show to talk about. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it just got announced today that Disco Season 3 at long last will start on October 15th. 13 episodes of that coming. So we're only going to have uh, like a week, maybe in between the end of Lower Decks and the beginning of Discovery Season 3. So uh, a lot of track back to back right there. What will we do with all that time? I know, right? It's like we'll be busy for a change. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, why don't we welcome our guest? Um, I'm so happy to welcome to the show and introduce to everybody here. Um, gosh, where do I start? Juilliard graduate singer, dancer, theater nerd, actor, fluent speaker of Klingon. Uh, I know, right? Let's just welcome our very special guest, Mary Chifo, to the show. Welcome, Mary. Oh, wait, Mary's muted. (laughs) (laughs) I always like a little humorous entrance. (laughs) That was good. That was really... It was fashionably two seconds late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It It was a warrior's entrance. That's yeah. what it was. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. Certainly, that's what I will tell everyone it was. <laughs> she was just putting her prune juice to the side. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Hey, I, I, I want to understand. I mean, there's so much that we can talk about. And of course, we'll get deep into Trek. But I, I just want to know about you right now. Like, <laughs> catch us up on life because being an actor during what is sort of the weirdest time in any of our lives. Um, uh, what, what's going on? Like, how does yeah. that work? And, and how are you <laughs> handling it or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, safe to say good days, bad days, as I'm sure we all have. Um, but I, I have been feeling extremely um, lucky and grateful to uh, actually have a lot of creative outlets during this time. Um, I've been able to, um, I actually early on in the process, in the process, <laughs> In the processing of all of this, um, I directed one of my best friends from high school, Remington Moses, and her friend Joe Baccia in a a Zoom semi-staged reading um, of Gruesome Playground Injuries by Rajiv Joseph, um, which was fun. I had just directed Remy in New York um, for Frigid Festival in February, literally right before all of this. Um, Wow. And uh, she had been wanting to work on this play with her friend for a while. And uh, we had really found that we worked well together in that director-actor dynamic. And, you know, best friends from high school, like we know each other really well. So that was an exciting creative endeavor that I got to have uh, a few months ago now. Um, I've been a part of um, the uh, Bespoke Plays um, is an amazing group that uh, for the past two years have been doing uh, monthly readings of new work. Uh, uh, Christine Boylan and Ellie Pyle are the co-producers, um, along with Ryan McCurdy uh, is their New York liaison. And uh, I did an awesome reading of theirs, uh, of Christine's play, um, Analog, in past o- this past October um, with Alan Smith. It's a, an incredible, awesome two-hander, takes place in not-so-distant future, a Blade Runner-esque. I'm a uh, an engineer kind of reversing the sexy robot trope uh, with my AI. Um, oh. And uh, so we, I did that reading in the fall and uh, 
fell in love with the whole group, but they have an incredible ensemble of writers and actors and directors. And during this time, every Sunday, we have sequestered Sundays where... Um, writers a, a part of the group will bring in work that they either a pilot they pulled out of a drawer or a play that they've been working on or just something new because they needed to get something out and uh, our ensemble will read it and we'll have a great discussion afterwards they're very intelligent theater theater people who love genre which is like my sweet spot <laughs> right, yeah. and uh, uh you know that they all of the writers have worked in uh tv and, and film and theater and uh it really is uh, been my saving grace every Sunday to be able to um, be with them. And there's some stuff uh, coming down the line that we've collaborated on uh, recently that I'm excited uh, to announce eventually. Okay. Um, right. So it's been a lot of that. I've been lucky enough that I have a lot of wonderfully talented writers and actors and, and other collaborators around me who are like, Hey, let's try something. Yeah. Um, and then of course, just also, trying to relax a little bit <laughs> and uh, be, you know, just kind of with myself and reflect, which I do feel this has been a time of reflection in a whole new way. So I'm grateful for that as well. Um, and then activism there I've, I yeah. have been, I always label my years. Um, I started a few years back. My best friend, Justin does that it gives it like a title. And this year I named the year of action uh which is interesting and at first you know come march i was like i don't know but then i really did become more and more activated but i've always been vocal part of my love of being a part of track as a franchise is it's a platform that allows me to speak my truths uh and not feel like i i know the true trek fans will appreciate vocalizing uh for justice and equality and i've had a new fire lit under me during this time so um, trying to be the best activist I can be. Nice. <laughs> activist. I like that. Make sure you trademark that and put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to give some credit. I, I heard it first from uh, Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp. They were some of the first people oh, that I heard. Oh. So got to give them credit because they're amazing. <laughs> well, Mary, we have, uh, you know, in between uh, our interview with you and having you on here, and we are so excited. We are so excited, but we're just as excited as our fans are who are lining up in our Zoom chat to talk to you. So I'd like Yay. to introduce you to our first guest who's been waiting to talk to you and to talk to us and talk to Star Trek. So uh, let's talk to our first caller. Uh, hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. It's a Paul. Hey, Paul. It's a Paul. It's, it's one of the Paul. Paul's. That's awesome. But, I know, Paul. I know, Mary. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm used to seeing you with Aaron. It's so weird not to see you with Aaron. I, I know. Love Aaron. Um, and I got to pass along to Norman and John. Great work on the latest episodes. You guys have really hit your rhythm uh, with oh, Deep Space man. Nine. Great, great mm. stuff. Oh, Thanks, Paul. Thank you so oh, much. I have this, this question that's been burning in my head ever since I've, I've been watching Deep Space Nine a lot. And they talked about the Cardassian War ending. There will be songs sung about this day, right? Mm. So, Mary, you're in this huge now spot of Klingon history, right? As you yeah. forward. What is your song slash opera slash, what is it going to be about? <laughs> Let's get some words to it here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love this question on so many levels. And <laughs> I, partly because I, I do want to say I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan and I am currently doing my rewatch as well. And uh, uh, so I'm very excited to catch up on all you guys have been talking about. I have yet to do it. So I'm very excited. Um yeah. But when it comes to songs, what I am going to give you is that um, 
a song that was developed very intensely by um, uh, Shazad Latif, Kenneth Mitchell, and myself in Dortmund, Germany, after a convention. Uh, we made, made some concerted effort to come up with the best musical version of our upcoming episode. This was right before uh, we started filming season two. And truthfully, we didn't have a script or an outline. We just knew the general premise of who our characters were from either the past season or who they were about to be. Um, and that weekend they had released the, um, uh, like the little teaser with just like behind the scenes stuff from the first few episodes. And there was a picture of Laurel's garden that had popped up that everyone screenshotted and we're like, Oh, there's a draft for like Laurel's garden. So the first lyrics of the musical are, <clears throat> Here I am in my garden, I don't know what to do. Tyler's here on Kronosh, and he hasn't got a clue. Oh, thank you. I did not expect to get that tonight. That that, that, that made the show right there. (laughs) I didn't know I was going to be starting with that, but I love that I actually, (laughs) it's a whole great thing. Cole Shaw comes in, he's like, you are a woman and you don't belong here. And then Tyler's, of course, dealing with his uh, duality. And uh, it's very fun. We, we, uh, John, Van, <laughs> John Van Sitters, who, uh, of licensing, of, um, he uh, was there. He was, yeah, love him. He's great. He was, he was there that night and recorded 30 minutes of, of this brainstorming session. So we have been saying we're actually going to put something together at some point. So it might be true. But um, <laughs> kind of more to your point about uh, the epic Klingon moment, uh, I do think there will be lots of... I, I felt that every episode was an opera. And certainly Point of Light was quite uh, intense. And uh, what did Shasad and I said? It was like a, um, a Shakespearean Greek kitchen sink drama. <laughs> <laughs> wow now say hey i just to throw this in there and you can do with it as you please i'm not going to sing it because i'll be tempted to dance and i got headphones on but chris Riker in the chat is suggesting here we go you can dance you can jive having the time of your life see that girl watch that scene digging the klingon queen hey mm-hmm. yeah. chris i think you just landed yourself a lyricist job on uh, this yeah. thing, so good job yeah. there. We will definitely be commissioning you for uh, for our full musical. Klingon We're gonna music. got a uh, you got a bravo from Scott in the audience. So. Uh, we, need, we need this in Klingon. You do know that, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the translation, you know, we'll yeah. see how it goes into Klingon, and then we'll, uh, you know, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> it just sounds much angrier. That's you know, yeah. you know like you have this garden, more. but it sounds like an angry garden. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Pop yeah. open a couple of blood wine, bottles of blood wine. Right. Yeah. You know, turn down the lights even more. Mary yeah. said, turn down low, yeah. but turn them down even more. <laughs> yeah. But I do appreciate, you know, you had the, uh, the chronos, uh, the, the pronunciation or the oh, enunciation. Thank you. Correctly. Even though it wasn't done yeah. into the original Klingon, but it was, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I do. I do love doing that. And like uh, discovery, discovery, because the yeah. S sound, like anytime that I can a slip slip those little moments in there and like klingon is not klingon it's klingon because it's that tlh it's a little bit different there 
All right, so uh, tell us about that a little bit, though, because it, this was a new thing that now you had a Klingon accent that was consistent through Discovery. Uh, who's a, a linguist they brought in to say, here's how we're going to do this mm -hmm. and get everybody trained to that same level? Because it, I, I, yeah, yeah. How, how did that go? No, it's an excellent question. Um, it's a, it's a mixture. So we have Robin Stewart, who is our Klingon translator, who speaks Klingon fluently um, and uh, is incredible. And um, she would get the scripts in English, then translate um, beautifully into Klingon. Like there were some translations because she would, we would get the word for word or what we call back translations. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the syntax is so different. It is very Shakespearean in many ways. Um, some of the um, translations, I feel like, oh, I wish the audience could read it in the original Klingon. Like they could see the <laughs> phrasing because it right. is more heightened. Um, but so we would get that. And then Rhea Nolan, who was our onset dialect coach, um, she was part of, she would kind of um, take what Robin gave her, send us the back translations. And then depending um, if I was in LA before the episode was happening or I was already in Toronto, we would have a two hour session. So either on FaceTime or in person. Um, and each actor had a different system. Uh, for me, it was uh, really going those sentence by sentence. My example is oh. which is to conquer compromise. It's just like a very clear, like to, con uh, to conquer compromise. Um, so I would go sentence by sentence saying the English in the order it actually was, then the Klingon and so forth. And Rhea would do the same. So I would be getting used to the meaning and where I wanted to inflect. Um, and it was very much like working on Shakespeare, uh, in the sense of like, it's a lot of foreign words and you know that by hitting a certain rhythm, the meaning will be conveyed more clearly. Um, so we do that, um, and then and then I would work similarly with the actual actors, who Shazad and Ken being the primary ones were so collaborative, would always meet um, and do extra, extra, extra sessions because we wanted to be able to be because on the day you're covered in rubber and you want to be able to be present, uh, and uh, that I'm just so grateful to to them as as scene partners. But to answer your question about the dialect specifically, once I started speaking English. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, that was a lot of me because I love dialects and I love accents. Uh, at, at Juilliard, as you mentioned, uh, I my strongest example we did dancing at Lunasa, which is set in Northern Ireland, uh, and uh, I was lucky enough to be able to like listen to all these great recordings of these Irish women uh, from you know. The, the the exact area Jillian Lane Plesha goes and interviews them and then would do um, sound changes. Uh, so for each sound that had a slight differentiation from the standard American, she would make a note of that in uh, International Phonetic Alphabet. And then I would go through that whole script and make sure that all those um, sound changes were marked so that when I practiced, I would have that. And then, of course, on top of the, lit the actual changes, you have to find that culture and the rhythm and the inflection. Like, certainly with Irish, you know, it's the, you know, you're trying to be nice, you know, oh, she's a bit ugly, isn't she? Like, you know, like, <laughs> um, which I have uh, Southern heritage um, on my mom's side, and there is definitely a parallel there of like, bless her heart, you know, like. <laughs> oh, see, no, I'm from the South. I know what yeah. that really yeah. means. Yeah, yeah, exactly, really exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just so, like I'll pray for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of studying the Irish culture. I was like, ah, I see that, that literally that 
that when the Irish came over, they left some of that, uh, what we say, the Irish stuffing, which, oh, fun fact, Mary Wiseman and I uh, were in that because we were in the same class at Juilliard. Um, right. We oh, played... Lord. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Good Lord. Um, poor teacher. <laughs> yes, I know. Some, some powerful Marys. Um, but yeah, we, we played sisters in that show, which was really fun. But did with she, dialect. Did, she, did yeah. she have the big hair then? I mean, was her hair? Oh, yes. Oh, my Always. God. It's like so much hair. Something that we really bonded over was we had the same name, but also she had her, you know, tremendous, beautiful hair and energy. And I had my height and my energy. And, you know, I think that there was, there's something about anytime you meet someone who has the same name as you that you can't help but be like, hey, there's something going on here. Um, But I always found that, you know, we've always had a deep mutual respect for each other's craft. And, you know, we have so many different strengths that are both parallel each other and, you know, we stand in our own power very differently at different moments. But, um, and our casting um, has a certain interesting Venn diagram. And I think we both want to keep stretching ourselves in multiple directions and are, um, you know, we've had a lot of really great conversations about how do we keep pushing those boundaries about what people assume based off of what they see. Um, and, all that we're capable of. So I think we're both really rooting for each other in that way that we're so grateful, particularly being on discovery to be like, Hey, we're playing these archetypes that we like can do. And like, let's keep pushing it. So it's, I mean, it's been an amazing experience to, to be on a show with one of your classmates is the most wonderful wild thing ever. And I felt like it just made that first season in particular so much more um, digestible because it was so much to take in. Um, at that point. Did you, uh, did you both know at the time, like, oh, hey, we're each up for a role in this new sci-fi thing? No, yeah. So I, because uh, the Discovery main cast didn't come until the third episode, I was cast at first um, when they were looking. I was cast very early on because they needed to cast physically the Klingon. So a lot of the, the prosthetic characters we were, we were one of the first on the cast list because they had to like, they're like, Oh, this works. You're tall. You're angular. You can speak Klingon. <laughs> Hopefully they, they're like, she's done Shakespeare. It's fine. Um, but so that was like, uh, and I did have to keep that under wraps after my initial casting, but I think it was around September, October of 2016 when that was, um, revealed so she was aware but then she didn't tell me when she was auditioning because nda and like also you know don't want to jinx it or whatever it is and i actually the way i found out was we were filming i think the second episode and i went down to the costume shop with shazad and uh they have pictures of everyone's headshots who's cast um and you know their number and whatever uh, and uh i, I looked up and distinct distinct headshot i was like wait who's that like and the costume people were like that's uh that's mary wiseman she was cast yesterday or whatever and i was like no i know her i know her and like, that's lovely like you know i was like no we were in class together and so i like i took a picture of it and texted her and was like oh my god and then we like chatted briefly on the phone shortly thereafter and um then she was up in toronto i think a week or so later um to, for prep for the third episode, which then I wasn't in. So we kind of crossed paths. And then, of sure, course, we sure. never were in a scene together. Um, but we had a lot of time, you know, 
uh, on days I wasn't working or, you know, and Sonequa was so good about getting us all together for dinner or movie uh, movie nights or game nights or whatever. So, um, yeah, we, we, we were able to kind of just hang, which was nice too, that we could be go going in during the day and like learning and being on set and figuring out what that's about. But then we just got to kind of just be with each other as, as people outside of that even though we were aware of the fact that during the day we were in space. <laughs> by, by the way, quick, uh, quick shout outs here to the chat. Um, David said that you should teach a class in Klingon to which Chris said it would be pass or die. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's, that's a good point. And then, I love it. Uh, shout out to Mickey, uh, who made your Batleth. Uh, Mickey from Make yes! It So, that is S-E-W. And she's yes. watching. So, uh, yeah. Thank so you, Mickey. Katlo, as we say. Thank you. Which is a ver a rarity in Klingon to say thank you, and and it yeah. came out of uh, slit your throat. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I beg your pardon. Um, I do think the the one time it's been said was Laurel said it to Voke in the very sexy dilithium processor scene in the fourth episode. Oh. Uh, that he's you know he he says you know I'm lucky to have you and she's like thanks. <laughs> um, but that that's a, a fun little bit of trivia. But to the dialect point, I love. I am. I I have a friend who says like if we're going on tangents, it means we're having a good time. Um, <laughs> but uh, with the dialect, once I did speak English, uh, I worked with Ria, um, and created. We created our own dialect sheet because I was like, hey, this is how I like to work. Um, I want to feel because I know and respect how much the fans pay attention. As I've said, self-proclaimed geek myself, I wanted to do due diligence. And um, I went through, actually, I have it right here. Well done, Mary. My Klingon dictionary, um, which actually, this is the cleaned up version. I think, I don't know where the other one, I have one that's literally falling apart uh, because I went through it so much, but I got a nice clean one. Nice. Um, but in here they show you <laughs> in here it's show and tell that they've great. got right the, in the vowels section it, <laughs> don't have to read it I'll just tell you what's on there but okay. they have one sound for each vowel so like the A is the A uh, as in psalm never as in the American English crab apple so I went through and similar ones for each the eh, eh, um, uh -huh. oh, and, ooh. and and so I went through all those vowels and, you know, we had to approximate because it had to sound intelligible, <laughs> but making it that at least the core of those vowels and like the discovery and um, that that Laurel was used to making sounds in a more intense way or only that very clear O um, because that is how dialects occur, is that the person is used to speaking a different language uh, that has different sounds in it. Um, and so that's that's how it occurs. So we really did go in and just play with it. And Rhea was so incredible. I mean, she's amazing when we were having to speak Klingon because she's there, like, making sure that it's all the right, <laughs> you know. And there are differences. I have been reprimanded. Um <laughs> And it is funny because Robin will then listen to the, like, for the ADR and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get a note where she's like, this is a lovely, but it makes it a completely different sentence, if you know what I mean. Oh and we're like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, 
<laughs> Klingons living on the edge. See, but what uh, you're yeah. describing is uh, I, just trying to wrap my head around that. You know, <laughs> so uh, an actor's job is to first and foremost, you know, play the emotional reality of the scene. Okay, so that that's your job. But then you've got. Uh, the English version of the words being spoken in your head, which you have to do in a made-up language. <laughs> this made-up language then has rules of a dialect that you've imposed on this, and you're doing it under pounds of makeup and a leather <laughs> costume. And, I mean, it, it's... I, I can't imagine where you would find the focus to do that, because it, it's quite a job. You know? Well, <laughs> thank you. I do. I agree. It's it is a large task. And uh, something I I would say is I am a big energy person. And I felt that those helped me focus, honestly, that there was an element of I had to just focus my energy and be present. And I think often in my human acting work, uh, I allow myself to get distracted by too many things. Like I, uh, you know, I want to make sure things are clear and I'm kind of moving around and like, you know, I've obviously worked on that and in school and in the training, like I can, I know, I know I can discipline myself to be that, but my inclination often is to make sure it's clear or really go there or give everything. And so in a strange way, the prosthetics, the outfits um, informed me so much into who Laurel was and how she carried herself. And because she couldn't turn her head the way I normally would or couldn't flail her arms the way I normally would. I mean, you know, I'm sure that if there were less constrictions, I probably would have come to that level of conclusion of interpretation because of who the Klingons are historically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I found that certainly in like it, in, in character development, I think you have to yes. And, and it's funny because we know each other from improv and I've been doing more and more um, improv uh, in the past two years and it's been amazing. Um, but that mentality of, you don't want to watch an actor struggling as much as it may be painful and sweaty and gross. And I can't hear half of what you're saying because there's sweat sloshing in my head. But like, that's not what you want to see. Like yeah, I, yeah. of course it, it'd be great if it, none of those obstacles were there, but that is the case. So why not use it? Why not let it be a part of the creative process? I say our limitations often liber liberate us. Um, so, and sure, like I say all that, and there were days where I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> um, but you know, the crew takes such good care and I have these crazy, there are a few pictures I think circulating of me like on the, those wooden, uh, I forget the exact name, but they used it for like Frankenstein Oh yeah, you're on the, the leaning. And, what were they called? The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and then like you, yeah, sort of sitting, you have to lean on a. Yeah, you lean and you have your arms up, and you're like kind of sitting on like a bicycle seat, and like I would have like a fan blowing and ice packs on my hands in between takes and all that. Um, but you know, they they you know, I I I learned more and more how to ask for what I needed. Um, I'm you know not one to be overly demanding for the sake of it but i learned how to be like you know what mary if you're cooled down between takes you're gonna be happier later and your performance is gonna be better so just ask for those ice packs and they will happily give them to you so you it was a real learning process in that way yeah, i mean we did get your writer for this interview and i hope that you know you got the green m m's and everything, oh, yes. is, yeah. like, everything <laughs> is to your liking we want to have you back yeah. my protein balls right <laughs> hey, my uh, well, 
Paul, any uh, other uh, thoughts on your mind tonight uh, before we, we say goodnight? Well, just put a bug in Mary's ear. So now that you have the music, um, I think you need to figure out who you're going to cast as yourself in the opera, and we'll leave it there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and do, yeah. That, on, do that on the cruise next year. Pull them oh, out of yeah. the audience. There you go. Hey. See you guys later. Trek okay, bye. Hey, Great to see you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I was like, it's <laughs> You recovered. You recovered. Yeah, I got I'm Klingon. Right. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to take just a moment here to uh, remind everybody about uh, Roddenberry Podcast Network and the other uh, great shows on the network. So, uh, Norman, if you would do the honors, please. Well, you can always find like all of our great shows here on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just make sure that you follow us at Roddenberry.com where we have those fantastic shows like Women at Warp, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and, of course, Shabam. Shabam! And you can find all of those again on Roddenberry.com. And of course, our show, Mission Log, our standard hey. show, Mission Log. Hey, yeah, I like that show. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of Mission Log, and you said something about doing a rewatch of DS9. I mm-hmm. did not know that. How far along have you gotten? Is this your, this is not your first time watching it. It is not. I will, okay. I watched. I have watched every Klingon-centric episode from all the different series. That was my initial mission when I was cast. Oh, wow. uh, was to I wanted to watch every episode of everything ever because, you know, yeah. that's how I roll. But uh, I was like, Mary, discipline. <laughs> and uh, so, as a consequence, I watched a lot of Deep Space Nine because there's a lot of Klingon in there. Um, uh, and then I really just got so into the show itself, Deep Space Nine in particular, that I pretty early on started watching um, other non-Klingon episodes. But that's why I really wanted to do this rewatch because I didn't watch as many of the um, first few seasons. Um, So this has been really fun. And even so, it was three years ago. So um, I, and you see one here and there that's, yeah, if you are on the cruise or whatever, it's playing in the background. Um, so it's been it's been a mixture. There's some that I I know and a lot that I don't know, and it's it's been awesome. I'm I'm only like um, I think a little over halfway through season two right now. Uh, I started just like two weeks ago or something, um, but uh, it's been great. And uh, I was saying the other day on Twitter, like you just are going relevant, relevant, like the whole time. You're like, yeah, yeah, that tracks. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, yeah, cool. Good. Glad we're... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about that fandom, though. Like, Because you mm-hmm. said that you're uh, a sci-fi fan and a Trek mm-hmm. watcher from way back. So what, what did you grow up watching and, and what, what were you into? Yeah, I, I grew up a little bit more on the fantasy side of things. I was very much into the Chronicles of Narnia. I was into Harry Potter. Um, I was like right at that cusp of like growing up with both with the books and the movies. So that was just a very particular journey that I went on. Um, but I always loved sci-fi. My dad's a big uh, sci-fi lover. And so he would introduce me to, you know, various um, movies and, and shows that he loved. Um, but yeah, my specific uh, Trek origin story was kind of later. I was introduced, I was aware of, Trek always, as I feel like most people are. Um, but it wasn't until the reboot films that I, I went to see the, um, the 2009 film and uh, 
because that was the type of movie I wanted to go see. Um, and I was just like blown away by this chemistry of the cast and like these knowing that, okay, this is, this is coming from the, the, the original and these characters already. So I got that sense. Cause I felt that the nostalgia in that was very like, that's sort of like, Oh, these are people that we all know and love and they should all be together and doing things. That was kind of what I walked away with. So as a consequence, my dad then um, had me, watch the original movies and episodes from the original series because uh, I needed my more, I needed more Spock and Kirk and all that. Um, so that was kind of where I lived with the show for, for a while. Um, and then it wasn't until I was cast that then I started doing the full rewatch um, or the <laughs> Klingon watch right. um, and really fell in love with all the different shows for the various reasons that they're all wonderful in their own right. Um, and then really got sucked into Deep Space Nine in particular. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, since then, um, because I really did respond to how the stories are told, um, I've just, yeah, gone back and watched more and more. And I love hearing people's recommendations, like, what are your favorite episodes? Then I'll go watch them. And um, Aaron, who uh, Paul mentioned earlier, Dr. Aaron McDonald. Yeah. astrophysicist and now official science consultant yes. um she uh she has a, a brunch that she does with her friend samantha where they talk about certain episodes so they had me we watched uh the redemption episodes and talked about those and you know it it's it's always fun for me to have someone be like hey watch a few of these episodes and let's talk about them because there's always something exciting and fun to pine um i also really grew up with like greek mythology and norse mythology and just all those sorts of like mythological storytelling um it, so that was very much like that's the, the, that's the types of stuff i love and you know why i love the klingons <laughs> i have a question here about the klingons so yeah uh, so in in mining all of that you're going all the way back to the original series and watching errand of mercy with the great john colicles playing core mm-hmm. so him being the first klingon and you being like the most modern version of klingon how did you kind of like bridge that gap? What did you take away from his performance and the Klingons from the original series? And then how did you want to bring that into where you were? In yeah. Discovery? I mean, is there a, is there, was there a process there? Was it easy? Was it difficult because they're so far apart? Yeah. I mean, it was such an interesting task because we were both a prequel series, but also the most recent series. Um, and, uh, I think, and obviously, you know, as the actor, they're like, and this is what you're going to look like. And you're like, okay, I'm going to make this work. Um, just in like, you know, th- I thought it was really exciting that they wanted to go so far into the alien look and very much, you know, uh, Neville Page, the creature designer talked a lot about really this reptilian, uh, sensory in the back of the head, like why the ridges exist in the first place, um, sort of exploration, which we kind of had this like tango during the first season where I'd start doing this head tilt and he's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense because you're actually taking that. I'm like, Oh cool. That was, you know, um, but I will say in watching those episodes, um, and part of why I wanted to have the dialect, because it is 10 years prior, and, you know, there's, as uh, Glenn Hetrick, the, the other creature designer, has talked to, like, the, the, the empire is so expansive that we really wanted to embrace that idea that we're seeing this particular section, and particularly the House Takuvma, and we're the outcasts, and, like, there's a lot of interesting stuff to play with there. Um, but why I wanted to have the dialect was I wanted to believe that you're witnessing Klingons who haven't been exposed, but for whatever reason, we're going to find out, you know, you know, or there will be some sort of justification for 
why they end up looking the, and speaking the way they do outside of the reason that we know <laughs> in reality. Um, but something that I think you see in all the Klingons and you see that, you know, how, what the, the TOS Klingons inspired in then the TNG Klingons and, and motion picture Klingons was the, this, this, there is a Shakespearean quality, a, a, um, a stoic, uh, a, a, pr- a pride, you know, obviously a the, yeah, a dignity. Um, and so that was certainly, I wanted to Im- embody that element because that to me felt like the strongest through line having then once I did watch every single different iteration, um, that was, I thought the strongest through line uh, with all of the actors was their they're standing in their power, even though there are struggles within it and you have some rogue Klingons and, you know, I, I, yeah, I can get all into the patriarchy and, and the treatment of female Klingons surprise. <laughs> um, but something that is like innately true in all of them is that, um, is that, is that pride and honor. And um, so that, that was, it, it's fun to, uh, to play with that. But anyway, it was an interesting task because Again, visually and physically, I needed to embrace what I was literally embodying while also keeping an eye on where we were headed. I'd love to talk about fandom a little mm-hmm. bit because you, you talked about, you know, the Klingons were this and they're this. We're doing our own thing, but we're trying to honor this. And, and look, you know, Star Trek fandom is legendary for the minute something gets announced <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if they shot one frame of it or not star trek fans have already formed an opinion and then yes. after that thing comes out they will continue to fight and nitpick about it all day long um how do you as somebody who is on the inside mm-hmm. and first of all a star trek fan and second of all somebody who's taking this opportunity that you've got very seriously um does that stuff just sort of like do you tune it out or does it come mm-hmm. in and you you does it do you pick and choose what you're hearing like how does that affect you or or the other people on the production yeah um um it's a, a an excellent question because i think i'm still figuring it out um i certainly part of why i did do all that research and and really like i said wanted to make the dialect as authentic as i thought possible because I wanted to at least be able to stand in my truth that I had done what I could. Um, and that um, it was out of respect. It wasn't just like, ha look at me. I did all my work. It was like knowing at my core that that was my goal allows me to take in the, the negative stuff with a grain of salt and understand that certainly on the internet, what we witness all the time is uh and I, <laughs> I recently came across a few instances where I think people will be extremely aggressive and catty and sassy, not expecting a response. Mm. And what I found is not just for the sake of scaring the bejesus out of them, but for to genuinely engage in conversation if it's a valid enough claim. Like if someone's just being a jerk, sure. they're being a jerk. But if someone's saying making a statement, and there were a lot of instances, I think, early on where because of the way a headline was phrased or, you know, clickbait wise, 
it, people are like, well, clearly she hasn't done her research. And I'd be like, hey, actually, you know, I did watch all the Klingon-centric episodes, and I really do respect the culture, and I'm doing my best. to. And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was a misleading headline. I'm like, I know I agree. But so I found that more often than not, people will respond to genuine conversation and, and kindness if, um, if that's your real intent. Um, so I really try and lead with that as best I can. Of course, I'm not perfect. And of course, there are days when someone's being sassy. And I'm just like, you know what, man? I don't come to your Instagram and say that. Right. Um, but I've been like, I think also Laurel serves in that like, she's pretty intimidating. So I don't, I don't think people like bully me or Laurel in the way that, you know, other people may be. Um, and, although, you know, I think more often than not, people or would make comments about choices, again, outside of my control, like the aesthetic or, you know, story. And uh, so for me, it's always about answering it to the best of my ability as the actor portraying the role um, and not trying to not take responsibility because what I'm learning too is like, like I was saying about asking for ice packs and stuff, like I'm learning more and more through this experience, how best to advocate for one's character and, you know, where to, you know, contribute to the conversation and where to hold back. Um, So I feel so lucky that I've been able to learn all of that in this environment. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky. Luckily, I think that there are far more kind, excited, um, enthusiastic uh, fans than there are not. And uh, also acknowledging that if, people don't um, understand the basic tenets of Trek and are upset that we're embodying them, then that's really not worth arguing with. Like if, if you can't understand that uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations means we have to keep pushing forward and create more and more diverse casts uh, and more and more diverse uh, behind the scenes um, uh, you know, I, I, I think that then, then you're, dealing with the wrong franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost kind of like a uh, part of the contract or you sign on to be part of the Star Trek family as a professional. And then, Oh, yeah. by the way, this also comes along with it, <laughs> you know, so yeah. hope, you know, for good or for bad, you know, you still have to kind of incorporate that into your lifestyle. And hopefully that doesn't, you know, dissuade you from, from the, the positivity of, of your experience, you know, yeah. it, it's part of the process. Yeah. And our whole cast, the Discovery cast is so geeky and enthusiastic um, overall. Like it, I've been lucky to be surrounded by peers that had a similar energy um, about all of it. You know, I think it would have been different if I didn't feel comfortable with the people I was doing these conventions or panels with. But luckily having that physical <laughs> and, and, and moral support uh, has, has meant so much. Well, you know, I, I was going to say that kind of on the more positive end of the discussion. Um, I've been going to conventions a long, long time. I have never seen a cast have more fun at a convention than the Discovery <laughs> cast. No lie. Because yeah. it, it, you can kind of typify, like, I, you know, at this point, the next-gen cast is sort of the old pros. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're sort of the... Not the elder statesmen, but the statesmen of yeah. uh, the convention. The DS9 casts are all very professional. They're all very theatrical. They all kind of have a similar background. Um, Ed- Enterprise, you know, uh, it-, it was great to see the love shown to that show because mm-hmm. I think, again, on the Internet, people would just trash it. And you realize, right. oh, wait, people actually love this show mm-hmm. and they love this cast. You guys come in and it's just a party I mean, I hope that never wears off because yeah. you, truly y'all are having the best time. Yeah, we've, we've got a, yeah, 
We're living up to our disco name, right? Yeah, truly, truly. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we we mentioned my necklace, but I, this I decided yeah. this is a jumper that I wore to the very first Vegas uh, oh, no convention. Yeah. I was going through, you know, it's it, interesting choices with Zoom. It's like I want a nice top, but it, I felt nostalgic because it, it's about uh, what four year anniversary of of going to that, wow. Um, wow. and that was this was the first one uh, I wore on the panel. So wow. it was from from that panel onwards, just a party. <laughs> Had you been to a convention at all of any sort before you were cast in Star Trek? So I had grown up going to uh, San Diego Comic-Con, actually, um, for various reasons. My best friend, Eve, who is still my best friend, who actually went on the cruise with me uh, the first year. Nice. Um, her parents are visual artists, and so they would have um, a booth at the in Artist Alley. Um, and then um, my mom was a part of a few projects throughout the years that had a panel or a, a screening or something. So there was oftentimes, I, I mean, there was a period of time where I felt like at least five or six years where we were pretty much there for a few days, if not all. Um, and these were very like formative years. And I was, you know, so into genre and so into sci-fi and fantasy. And like, even I would run around in the hall and, and at Hall H. I mean, I, I actually, this came up last week because people were talking about favorite Comic-Con memories and stuff. And when two years ago, uh, 2018 uh, San Diego Comic-Con, I got to be, part of the the disco cast um panel and press day it was and be in hall h i mean literally i remember standing way in the back of hall h and like peeking in um i think i remember one specific it was like terry gilliam talking about something like it was such a an incredible moment to be able to uh then actually be on that stage and, and be a part of that panel so that 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 it, it's been pretty neat to have that yeah. kind of come to fruition I, I hope we get conventions back. I mean, yeah, I know. Nice in person again. And, I know. Uh, um, I, I also want to talk about your uh, your time at Impro because somebody yes. asked, who was like, "Whoa, Mary does improv," mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So, uh, Mission Logs connection to Impro is we were hosting or co-hosting these uh, Discovery screening nights and then Picard oh, yeah. screening nights. Uh, but then, uh, and you came to some of those. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you performed with the improvised generation and with Ripley, yes. so some of the same cast members from that. Uh, just tell us real quick about that. Mm -hmm. Had you done much improv before? No, I had, um, you know, with any scene study class, and, and, and Julia is definitely like, we have a lot of physical improv and a lot of mask work where so plenty of opportunities in the classroom where you are improvising and creating a character and finding out what's happening, but never had any disciplined actual outright improv class um and i have been very intimidated by it in general uh i like structure <laughs> in case that wasn't prevalent in this conversation um but um the reason why i really responded to impro once i got to know um both their shows and started taking their classes is because it's genre and it's narrative and that it's about telling the story and being present with one another and not having to go for laughs because I was so the the immediacy of like have a quick joke and do the thing and then write your screenplay and then you're gonna be a star kid I was just like I can't I can't I get too stressed already um and so it, I feel like it's and I wouldn't know about impro if it weren't for Star Trek because Elisa Pearl 
who is the captain of the USS McGinley on TIG. Um, we met at the season one premiere of Discovery. Uh, she interviewed me um, on the carpet for Nerdist, and then we talked at the after party, and she we exchanged information. She invited me to CTIG. Uh, I went to CTIG, and there was a Ripley show of glam. And Ripley, for those who don't know, uh, all-female, awesome group. Most of the women who are part of Ripley are, are the women in the ne- improvised generation. Um, and so I, I, I had a double feature that night, fell in love with the school and the actors. Um, and then, yeah, that last year in February, I guested on Ripley's glam and then, uh, March, I believe it was, I guested on TIG, which you can check out on YouTube. And that was a really, really fun show. Uh, cause as the guest star, you are kind of neutral and then the character kind of reveals itself. And I ended up being, um, the ruler of a different type of planet. Uh, and it was just goofy and fun. And, uh, but I did all of that before taking class at Impro. I did like the reverse. And then I started intro. And now I'm currently taking over Zoom. I'm in their um, third core class, uh, Story Core. Uh, and I just finished their character core class all on Zoom, which was awesome. I have an amazing class. They're just super um, present and funny and collaborative. And uh, it's been that, like I was talking about bespoke, that and Impro have been a huge creative uh, oasis for me during this time. And, and they're doing shows. Anyone who wants to check it out, they, uh, um, they have a Twitch channel and they're, they're improvising <laughs> genre shows live and their tech is live. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and it's just a wonderful community. Everyone is so, yeah, wonderful. Now, as far as I know, you're the only Trek professional who has done a Star Trek improv as well. <laughs> I mean, you, so you bring a totally different layer of understanding to yes. this. But you're completely out of your element, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Well, it, you know, it's great because it's TIG. So it's, you know, a next generation, different timeline and, or not timeline, time period. Yeah. Not different time, not the Kelvin timeline. No, I no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. I know myself. No, no, no. Um, but uh, different time period, and uh, um, the structure of those shows is so distinct, which was so fun to play that act structure. Like it, you, it's just so innate. You know, oh, now they're going to be discussing the species, and like, oh, now we're on the planet. Oh, now the B plot's going to go. Like that was what was so thrilling about doing that that particular improv was I know that structure well enough that I was like, I was very trusting of my instincts. That's very cool. cool. <laughs> and, and the uh, zoom type of uh, improv, cause I know that actors love playing off the energy of each other. Yeah. So how does that work? I mean, does, how does that dynamic work? Cause you can't really feel that energy. You just kind of have to play off of what they're giving you. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I, whether it be improv or these various readings I've done, I have found that it, you're more successful than not if you're really just being present Um, with improv, it's great because you're not bogged down by any sort of script. So you really end up getting kind of creative and like, Oh, what happens? Like this character's up here or like, you know, you know, this character's way back here. Like you actually end up creating a vocabulary with the camera um, that you wouldn't normally, if you were working, you know, in a classroom, which, you know, both have their, um, oh, my dog is barking. <laughs> we have some raccoons next door. It's a whole thing, but we won't get into it. Uh, <laughs> they're fine. Though. They are. No one be worried about my dog. There is a large separation. She's just fascinated. Um, but yeah, I, I have found 
that while I, of course, yes, miss being present and having that energetic conversation with a scene partner, there are new strengths, like this yes and mentality of like, yes, this is the obstacle I have right now. So how can I make it work to the best of my ability? And because I directed that piece early on during this process, I got to, as a director, sit back and see two actors work things out and see how they found a way to be present with each other. And uh, I've honestly, I, I feel that I have learned more about my craft this year than I have in a really long time as a human. <laughs> like I learned a lot as Laurel and I will, and I definitely learned stuff that I take with me in my human work. Um, but it's been a really interesting time to come back to how I move through the world as a Mary like character. <laughs> Oh, man, we have, five, we have five minutes left, so you're ready to think on your feet, do a little bit of improv right now? Yeah! <laughs> I got a little bit of a surprise for you, and I got a little bit of a surprise for John, because we haven't done this in a while. Oh, no, yeah. Um, you're talking about the lightning round, right? It's time for the lightning round. Because, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, you know, normally it's my job to let the guests know about the lightning round. I've <laughs> uh, been in touch, and I, I apologize. It just, it, it's, you know... Look, it's been a long few months of uh, <laughs> quarantine. Things slip my mind. So, uh, oh, so we're going to do a little lightning round, I guess. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Make, we'll make it work. It, it sounds yeah. very Klingon. Yeah. Lightning round. Lightning yeah. round. Come on. <laughs> Here we go. Let's spin the wheel. Let's see what comes up first. Who's your captain? Who's your, who's your captain? Who's your favorite captain? Janeway. Good answer. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a tough one. Klingons. Hair or no hair? <laughs> hair okay hair klingons and janeway Very good. yeah all okay. right okay we're two for two all right uh d7 battle cruiser or cleave ship oh cleave ship yeah okay just uh, just ram that thing yeah okay get in there okay here we go there's another tough one <laughs> get in there here's another tough one to get in there Volk or ash tyler Volk. Ooh. okay yeah all right here we go uh captain giorgio or mirror giorgio oh um captain giorgio i would have loved to spend more time with her okay all right fair enough okay so this is a tough one because uh, you, you might spend a lot of time in either one of these places so choose wisely 10 forward or quarks <laughs> um Quarks. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Okay, and or and at quarks maybe blood wine or a nice fruit forward but not too aggressive cabernet. <laughs> blood wine. Mm, okay, serious. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, the final question uh, that we end every lightning round: Have you been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? Yes. No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I went to Volcon <laughs> last year. I was a guest at Volcon. You did. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, fantastic. Okay, I'm so disappointed to see that they had to cancel it this year. Of I know. Um, how it did change your life? Was it great? It was. It was so cool. It was one of my favorite convention experiences because it's just all about the trek. It's this wonderful small community. Um, and I really got to interact with everyone. So, you know, personally, um, and I got to go see where Nimoy had put his fingerprint and put my hand there and all the little, uh, light, um, uh, what is it? You know, <laughs> um, 
you know, on the street lights. Okay, what is, the, yeah. Uh, street lights, is that what street, we're saying? I guess, okay. yeah, the street oh, lights like have that. little, we'll they that. have, yeah, they have, uh, you know, starships on them. And it's just, it's, it's, and they've got murals. They have a wonderful, gorgeous mural of all the doctors. It's really, really awesome. I, I had a wonderful, wonderful time. As I, you go up on the board as like the third guest who has been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> yeah. So, very good. Everybody else, everybody else is a listener where we're trying to put together a bus trip there one day and we'll just all spend oh, the yeah. weekend in, uh, in Vulcan. Hey, we, we've got like two minutes left, but uh, Lou getting in here at the last second. Lou from Canada uh, <laughs> is going to say hi to us. So Lou, you are on with Mission hey, Live Live and our special guest, Mary Chifo. What's up? Hey. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, okay. Hi. <laughs> hi, John. Hi, Norman. And greetings, Mary. Greetings. From a, from a, I, I was, I was most fascinated in, I, I, I'm not used to talking this quickly. Uh, I was most fascinated by, uh, by your work at, uh, at improv. I studied mm. in Second City myself. And oh, cool. Theater. And if uh, stages ever open, we'll be <laughs> doing some courses in whatever future time is, is happening. You miss people. Do you, do, do you miss people? I miss people. <laughs> It's actually seeing people, not just performing yeah. for people, but seeing people within, uh, I don't know, touching distance. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess, how, how, is, how, is, how is TV production going down there? Or is it going yeah. at all? Because we're well, starting to open up tiny, tiny auditions, virtual auditions and, and, and commercials where we're spread enough apart so yeah i i do think things are percolating i mean i'm very much on the i'm sticking at home side like i i um <laughs> um i'll be the last one to leave my house but uh i do know i mean obviously it depends on the situation and if people are taking the proper um you know safety precautions i do know that there are um there are shows and and things that are starting to happen with the right precautions um but yeah i'm not too too privy to them i've yet to be involved with one i'll, I'll learn more if i'm involved We're the last uh, one yeah exactly but um but my hope is that people you know will be safe and will, will be responsible and also will recognize if you know in a few weeks time if they're starting to do stuff and realize that they really need to pull back then they will because um, I hope that we embrace Trek ideals in, you know, um, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So that's very much how I hope everyone conducts business um, these days. But um, yeah, but I do agree. I, I look forward to the time that we're back in back in theater spaces and working together in person. And, and because our border is closed, uh, yeah. it's 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 not going to be easy because we're we're asking you to come up and then. And then we're saying, no, we, uh, no, we <laughs> shut down. Hey, if we can shut down the, um, uh, the major leagues and uh, yeah. MLB, we, 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 we can get rid of everybody. We, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want to point out, I think you, um, I, I love the fact that you do improv, but what struck me most and what I, I know it's a tangential uh, bit of fandom, but you look, so much like your mother, who I am a, oh. a big fan of. Beth Thank you. Um, and uh, you, you, you may tell her that it will mean I will. nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. But I, I do. I have instructed my agent if there's a chance to get on Disco, to uh, to to submit me because um, 
we're, we're, we're right here. Yeah. There's like 10,000 of us that are willing to, to, yeah. to, to walk on the set for next to nothing. So Exactly. And are you, are you in Toronto? That's where you are? Or are oh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They won't let me leave. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Lou, yeah, hey, listen, I hope we're, so. we're up against the clock, my friend. Thank you okay. so much for calling in, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll do it again soon. Okay. We got it in in the nick of time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice talking to you again, John. Hey, nice seeing you, Lou. Bye, Mary. Take care. Take Bye. care. Hey, uh, so take care, everybody. Uh, by the way, uh, Norman and Mary, uh, glory to your house. Ah, yes. So yes. say goodnight to everybody. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. Kabla! <laughs>